great, great morning, everybody. Great, great morning. Caleb, how are you doing? Great morning, Mr. Cooper Wallow Jr. Just uh, another great morning over here, too. Love it. Love it. What's uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods, man? My neck of the woods, I was just had a, had a kind of a, a chill day yesterday. Didn't have a lot of work appointments, which is super rare and random. So I took advantage, got a bunch of stuff done around the house. Um, still ended up working a decent amount, but mostly remote stuff. Um, was able to cook my wife dinner, hang out with my son a lot. It's a great day. Mm, cooking wife dinner. Love it. What about you? Love it. Oh, I mean, it was busy. Um, trying to think here. Not bad. I mean, went to uh, went to church for the first time in a since COVID, actually. Really, like um, it went to the building. Uh, it went to the building. We've been on Zoom for a while. Um, so that that was that was interesting. Um, it's, has the it's, building been open and you guys not been going, or has... no? It's been closed. Like it, it's it was closed. And oh, then, yeah. Got and it. It, it just like we just got the go ahead from headquarters to like start having meetings there again. Um, Got it. So yeah, so that was that was that was cool. Good to weird good to, to see, see people in person again. It's weird, man. You know, I feel like, and and I know we're not the only one, but I'm going to speak for us. Like we've got so used to like not going places. Yeah. Right. And so like, oh, like yep, Sundays church time. Like yep, get the kids ready, but we don't have to like dress. Like I mean, I mean, we can't. I mean, you could, you could, yeah. right? You know, you still want to keep it as close to as like you're there. Uh, but like, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about the drive home or going there. Like you can just set up. Uh, so it was definitely weird. It's definitely weird. I feel like there's definitely going to be some adjusting going on here. Cause I know places are opening back up and um, people are having to go back to, to the office and it's weird. It's just weird, you know, but means we're headed, headed back to some normalcy, I guess. But, um, but yeah, it's other really than that, normal. right. You know, um, other than that, you know, just with the kids, um, you know, we got a, a newborn in the house, so that's that's been good, keeping everyone on on the toes. Um, yeah, I still don't know how you do that, but but yeah, it's it, it's all good, all good things. You have no choice but to do it, right? Oh, I mean, got it's... got no choice, got no choice. So, um, I think that's everything. I think that's everything. I know when this airs, the uh, NCAA tournament will be done. How's your bracket? Or did my bracket? I did pretty good, but I don't have either team in the final, you know. So mm, okay. I'm top five in a lot of brackets, but usually the payouts don't go that far, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I hear you. How about you? I don't, I don't do brackets anymore. You're more of a football guy, Coop. Yeah, but you, you know me. Like I don't hardly watch sports. Period. Like I don't watch TV. I mean, like unless like. Obviously, I mean, I'll probably watch the 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 final or the championship game like after later today, <laughs> maybe. But like, yeah, other than that though, like I haven't like I just found out that the Lakers didn't make the playoffs. Like, I it's mean, not over yet. Okay, so well, it's, oh, sorry. You, so didn't you didn't find out anything, man. So, okay, I'm sorry, bro. See that? That's what I'm saying. I don't really. True. That was a good you point. Know, you know. So, anyways. Well, let's uh, let's end the sports talk. And get into the real talk. You ready? Let's go. All right, Cooper, go ahead and bring in our next guest. Great morning, everybody. On today's episode of Shipbuilding with Cooper and Caleb, today we have um, an author, columnist, speaker, and financial coach who focuses on the pathway between financial literacy and financial empowerment being obstructed by financial trauma. His work has been published in Business Insider, Black Enterprise, Entrepreneur, The Grill, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, Rakim Sabri. <laughs> yeah, I imagined a bunch of fanfare when you gave me that huge intro. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Well, Rakim, um, thanks again for coming on. Uh, can you just tell the audience a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and why you do what you do? 
Sure. So my name is Rakim Sabri. Um, my message is really centered around empowerment and I've chosen finance, personal finance as the vehicle to deliver that message. Um, I find many people uh, often confuse money management with their relationship with money. And so I feel my job is to kind of talk about some of the things that we don't talk about when it comes to our relationships with money. And uh, this passion really kind of started from a young age. I experienced aspects of poverty growing up. I ended up stumbling into the finance industry, working in banking for a decade. And there was a lot learned by osmosis and just kind of interacting with customers. But there was a personal kind of passion for me to see, you know, how far I can go, right, um, to get as far away from being poor as possible. So um, my personal, I guess, charge kind of became a charge for my community, um, particularly people that look like me, black and brown, um, who don't have access to financial education or who do have fi access to financial education, but don't feel empowered to take action on that education. I got to go back to the one of the first sentences you said, Rakim, appreciate you being on the podcast, but you, uh, I can't remember exactly how you worded it, but you said they relate or uh, it's the same thing as uh, their relationship with money and or money management. How would you, how would you define that, or can you expand on that? Sure. So um, I frequently have uh, like presentations and workshops around personal finance, and one of the questions that I usually kind of open up with is, "How would you describe your relationship with money?" And a lot of people go into telling me how they're either great savers or they're overspenders, and I'm like, okay, but that's telling me how you manage your money. And so either this individual is a good manager of money or a bad manager of money. When we talk about the relationship that they have with money, I'm talking about how do you feel? What do you believe? What do you think um, is possible for you as it relates to the money that you have access to or um, maybe money that you don't realize that you have access to yet? Does money give you anxiety? Does it give you fear? Is there guilt associated with you accumulating money? And so really kind of digging into the behavioral nature of how we perceive and interact with money is uh, what, is that differentiator. What what are some of your most like common responses, would you say, when you, you know, force someone to kind of break it down in their own head? Uh, so uh, initially, when I kind of let everybody in the room share their version of money management, and I kind of smack them over the head with that. Hey, you're you're talking about money management and not your relationship with money. Um, there's an initial silence, kind of like a shock, like, oh, okay, my eyes are open now. Um, but then when we get into it, there's certainly a lot of um either guilt, anxiety, shame. Um, I have not had a session yet where somebody is just like, nope, everything is great with money. And, you know, as much as I would love for that to be the case, uh, then I wouldn't have a job to do. So um yeah, I think it's just kind of honing in on the fact that when you think about money, you know, maybe it creates anxiety in you or maybe it creates a fear or a guilt. And I often say that, you know, a lot of times people aren't successful because they aren't taught how to be successful. Um, or people are fearful of success because they aren't taught how to be successful. I think the same is true uh, when it comes to money, um, if you could relate money to success in that a lot of times we're not taught how to have a good relationship with money. We just kind of view money as this thing that gets us from day to day, that gets us access to the, you know, the things that we need. We're taught to trade our time for money. And so it's just kind of a necessity. Um, I've been working since I was 16 years old. I turned 32 next month. And um, it's always been like, you know, what is, what is the wage? What's the hourly wage assigned to, you know, your value, right? I started working, I think I was getting paid $7 and 30 cents per hour. And um, uh, since becoming an entrepreneur uh, full-time last May, I've, I've really had a 180 uh, in terms of perception when it comes to um, what my time is worth and what I would be capable of. Not necessarily trading my time for money, but figuring out ways to make money um, with whatever the limited time that I want to give towards that. Awesome. Awesome. Right. That's, Great that's answer. awesome. Great response. Can we um 
Rakim, can we talk a little bit? Uh, so when I when I came across you on Twitter, uh, CJ Smith uh, connected us, and uh, Cashflow King. Yeah, yeah. Talk to talk to Rakim a little bit, and um, can you talk a little bit about when you um, lost your job, um, or or you quit, or you there was a, a transition there, something happened, and and. I, th- I think you, like, I don't know if you got on the Oprah show because of your whole job situation or, or something, but can you just talk about that that time in your life when that happened? Yeah, that time is still happening, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're sitting in uh, April of 22, in May of 21, I left my job. Um, I've been working in banking for a decade. I started at 21. As a part-time teller, worked my way up through the branches, um, went behind the scenes, uh, was in op support as a program manager, and I got fed up. Um, and you know that's a that's a loaded statement that we can spend a lot of time unpacking. But ultimately, I felt like um, I was experiencing an assault on my identity um, as a black man, as a human being, um, as a millennial, as somebody with ambitions. Um, I was growing a personal brand outside of the workplace that I feel intimidated my leadership. Uh, you know, I had delivered a TED Talk. I wrote two books, uh, writing for publications, being featured in publications, of course, sharing all of the success across social media. And in particular, the social media that I shared with my um, coworkers, which was LinkedIn. And every single time there was a conversation to be had around why are you doing this? What are you looking to accomplish from this? Uh, Are you using the company as a stepping stone? What is your commitment to the company? And I started to experience a lot of anxiety and a lot of guilt around um, doing the things that I was experiencing passion around, really. And um, I knew that, you know, just kind of reading the writing on the wall, that was going to be used as kind of like the carrot dangled over me, right? oh, well, you have all of these different endeavors that you're participating in outside of work. So um, X, Y, Z reason not to promote me, not to give me a raise, not to give me opportunity outside of my role. And um, I said, you know what? I want to control the narrative in this situation. So I'm going to leave while I'm on top. I had just gotten a raise. I had just gotten my review. Um, I met all my expectations. And uh, I took inventory of what I had my assets, my skills, uh, the different things that I had accomplished. And and I think most importantly in this story, my support system. Talked to a bunch of people that were close to me about, you know, making this decision to leave. And when I was ready to pull the trigger, I pulled the trigger. It was a Friday. Um, I sent my resignation at about 9.30. I tweeted it. I was like, hey, I just quit my job for my mental health. The tweet went viral. Uh, 2.2 million impressions. I was able to um, land an interview with Bigger Pockets Money. Um, I was able to write two viral articles for Business Insider telling the story, uh, one viral article for Entrepreneur telling the story. Um, I wrote a not so viral article for The Grill telling the story. And then um, a producer from Tamron Hall's show reached out to me and was like, hey, read your story, loved it. We'd love to have you on the show. So I'm like, hell yeah, like let's do it. <laughs> and uh, had my you know five minutes of fame on Tamron Hall show. And for a while, that video on YouTube was actually one of the highest viewed videos that she had um, in the recent, I want to say maybe three to six months. And that's including like interviews with celebrities and 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 what have you. So I was very proud of that moment. And what it meant for me um, as just kind of like defining myself and going against the grain, but more so what it meant for all of the people that watched and that were inspired by my actions to choose myself, my mental health, my ambitions over like, you know, this big corporate system. Man, that's uh, Caleb. Chill out, bro. Chill out. I was just going to um, say that's a lot to unpack, but um, I'm pretty sure you just struck a nerve with, uh, with Coop based on similar experiences. Yep. Yep. No. And, uh, so that, that's awesome. Um, 
but before we dig into that a little bit, um, I just want to say, like, if you guys are lis- listening to Rakim's um, story, um, he had built his personal brand. He was um, had assets. Uh, he wrote some books, did some TED Talks, all while working his job. Cor- correct, Rakim? Yes. Okay. So, like, I, people talk about, oh, if you're if you got the entrepreneur itch, you, you have to like quit your job. This, that, the other thing is like we, the, you know, rock him. And then our last um, guest we had Kyle, uh, both examples of you don't have to, you don't have to do that. You can do that all while working your job. Yeah. And I, um, can we just spend a little bit of time on that too? Because yeah, I think, um, you know, I really ran with the message of I fired my boss. Like I turned it into a hashtag. I'm, you know, I'm writing a book called I fired my boss. Like it was a thing. And I think a lot of people who jumped on the bandwagon later um, in, you know, this unfolding of the story just kind of feel like I hate working, like I hate the nine to five. And, you know, as I, in, in the book that I'm working on right now, called I Fire My Boss, Escaping Corporate Trauma, um, I, one of the chapters I start off by saying corporate America can radicalize you. And so, you know, to your point earlier and my response that this is a moment that's still unfolding. Um, I'm kind of stabilizing, but I was very proud up until the moment that I um, resigned of being what I referred to as a hybrid entrepreneur, where I could work my nine to five and do very well, um, meet all of my expectations, get bonuses, get raises, what have you, and then come home and work on you know my passions, whether that be personal branding, writing. Or, or, you know, whatever. The big transition for me in going from hybrid entrepreneur to a full-time entrepreneur certainly was the most uh, eye-opening and impactful from a financial perspective because I was, um, you know, kind of high income to like, I have to figure out how I'm going to pay my mortgage every month. But um, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would probably do it the same way um, because it was just, it, it became a mental health, you know, crisis, I'd say, but I would definitely be a little bit more strategic in how I position myself financially. Um, I kind of started to know that things were shaking up in February of 21. And so between February and May, I could have been a little bit more aggressive about the planning for my departure. More, more strategic, if you will. I'm curious to know, because you still were strategic, you're saying you wanted to be potentially even even more strategic. But you know, our our podcast is called Shipbuilding, and it's a play on words because we're all about relationship building and mentors and mentees. And maybe maybe go into who were you talking to from February to May? That you know, what key relationships, key people did you have in your life that you were saying, hey, you know, I'm I'm thinking about firing my boss. Great question. Um, there weren't many. <laughs> and I think maybe that that is probably a big catalyst for my frustration kind of mounting, right? Um, there were people that I had social media relationships with who I had witnessed um, leave their job. And I'm like, damn, like, I wish I could do that. And then that I wish I could do that turned into, well, why can't I do that? And then it turned into having conversations with them about, well, what was your process? You know, why did you ultimately leave? And um, what are you doing now? Like, what's your plan? But then my inner circle, people that I actually know, people that are invested in, like, my well-being, uh, my mom, my dad, uh, some really close friends, you know, they were kind of like, well, let's look at the pros and cons of this, right? Like, you have a mortgage. How are you going to pay that? I got a dog in February. You know, you got to take care of your dog. Uh, you got to take care of you. So what are the things that you're going to do? And that was actually uh, one of the questions that a close friend of mine asked me. said, well, you know, let's take inventory of what you have in terms of the assets. How long could you live without a paycheck? And I'm like, oh, and I undercut it quite a lot. But I said, oh, maybe, you know, six months or so. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, do you believe in yourself? Like there was no uh, definitive do this or don't do this. It was always like, well, what do you think you can do about this? 
or how do you think you can navigate this? And I think that that's really important when you talk about mentors and, um, you know, relationships that you have, because I think that had any of them given me their answer, right? Do this or don't do this. And I went against what their answer was that they would have taken it personally. Um, You know, I I think we have all had instances where somebody comes to you for advice and then doesn't take your advice. And you're like, well, I told you what to do or what not to do. And you decided not to listen. So don't ask me for my advice anymore. Mm. And so what I value about the relationships that I have is that a, there's like this unwavering faith in what it is that I can accomplish um, from the outside coming in um, that reinforces, you know, the unwavering faith around what I can accomplish internally, you know, going out, but also that it's, laying out the pros and the cons, and then saying, okay, Rakim, you have a decision to make. I'm here to support you in whatever it is that you choose, but ultimately it's on you to make this decision. And so um, I made the decision (laughs) and uh, it was simultaneously the most scary and liberating experience of my entire life. But um, most of the good stuff that I've experienced in life has been on the other side of fear. So I'm very proud um, at this moment of making that decision. All right, we got we got to let just, uh, Coop put his little let me fear just, question in here. Then no, 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 no. no. Well, I was just gonna add. I was just gonna add. Um, I I love Rakim. Um, and you said it so perfectly. Like you were f- following these people on social media and you were seeing people, you know, firing their boss and you were, at first you were like, Oh, I wish I could do that. And then you said, well, how can I, like, how can I do that? And that right there is, is the power of asking the right question. Because now when you, when you asking yourself the right question, then your brain, it's almost like your brain turns on and it's like, well, well, yeah, let's look, let's look at that. Let's, let's look at these paths and, and how you would handle this, that, the other thing. But if you had not asked that right question, who knows what, what, what would happen? And like, literally, um, I, I love that because like some of the mentors I'm listening to, that's one of the big things is, is all you got to do is, is, is change how you're asking yourself a question or how you're asking for something, um, to receive it. So no, I thought, I thought that was, um, that was awesome. Um, Caleb, do you want to ask the fear question? or I like the way you yeah. frame it, Coop. Uh, well, since we're on the topic of fear, uh, I believe Rakim had just said, you know, most of the good or positive things on his life, in in his life, were on the other side of fear. Um, but I, I like how you ask it, Coop. Well, I, I don't really do anything special. I, I usually just ask, so Rakim, how um, have you dealt with fear then in your in your journey? Great question. Um, definitely a favorite question of mine when it comes up, because it's something that I spend a little bit of time coaching on when we talk about mindset is going back to this idea of your relationship with money, right? There are a lot of people who have these internalized fears around what success looks like and what failure looks like. Um, and you know, that can be its own masterclass, but in terms of me, um, I view fear, I've learned to view fear as an ally, right? Um, Most people kind of resist fear or allow fear to paralyze them and not making a decision at all. Um, And I've learned to work, walk through fear, walk with fear, use fear as, like I said, as an ally. Um, And I had this epiphany one day, I'll tell you guys a quick story. Um, I don't remember the year, maybe 2017, I was experiencing a really bad depression, like really, really bad. I I could not recognize myself. And, uh, one of my, my, my manager at the time told me that I needed to write, said, you have a story to tell, go write. And so I took, uh, 14 days off of work and I went to, um, Barcelona, Spain for seven days and Casablanca, Morocco for the next seven with the sole intentions of writing. And I went by myself. So my first time flying across the Atlantic Ocean by myself, terrified. 
Um, I wake up in Barcelona, Spain, and I speak Spanish, but I'm like, I learned Spanish on my own. I didn't grow up speaking Spanish. So I'm like, I'm in a Spanish speaking country. My Spanish is way inferior to the Spanish that they're going to be speaking here in Spain. Um, I was just terrified. I, I stayed at an Airbnb. I didn't get a hotel. Um, and the Airbnb was this three bedroom apartment and each of the bedrooms were rented out to different people. So I'm like, what if I get kidnapped? What if, I mean, all of the what ifs and the first, and I don't think that I've told this story on any kind of like podcast before, but the first day I stayed in my room with the door closed the whole day, no food, no water. And I'm like thirsty. Like my body is like, you're thirsty. Go get some water. You need to go get some water. And I'm just scared. I'm like, I'm in the, what, why did I make this decision? Why am I here by myself? Like, you're crazy. And um, eventually my body like was like, yo, like you're dehydrating. You came all the way to Spain to just sit in this room. Like, get up, go around the corner, explore, like go to the grocery store, get some water. And so I did. Um, I got up, I went, left the apartment, um, started kind of looking around for some kind of supermarket, went in, grabbed like this huge jug of water, a couple pieces of fruit and, uh, you know, some basic necessities, bought it, came back and I was like, all right, cool. I did it. And then every day I would venture out a little bit further and a little bit further because I didn't have a cell phone service out there. So I had to be connected to somebody's Wi-Fi. And um, one of the nights I was sitting there after like really kind of basking in this feeling of accomplishment, I um, had this realization in my head, there's no such thing as fearlessness. Everybody is afraid, but some people are better at navigating that fear and, and not allowing it to paralyze them than others. And so once you kind of like, I don't want to use the word humanize, but when you break it down, um, this is something that everybody experiences. And, and this fear um, is really a consciousness that says, okay, I need to be paying attention to my surroundings, right? Um, I'm not going to just relax. I grew up in New York. So um, I, I go down to, there's a street in Barcelona called Rambles, where it's kind of, I don't want to say it's like Times Square, but it's like a bunch of different vendors and restaurants and, you know, people are getting caught up in the sightseeing and it's very well known for um, pickpockets. And I'm like, well, I, I don't got to worry about that. Like I got, I'm on my P's and Q's, but I could swear that I saw somebody get pickpocketed and I'm walking behind this guy who does it so smoothly and um, for a good while, like just walking behind them. And like, he didn't even take the item out to check to see what he got. Like he just got it and kept walking. And I was like, man, that was smooth. Like almost to the point where I had to second guess whether or not I saw what I saw. And um, fear helps you stay on top of your game if you use it the right way. And I think that that can be applied in any and every instance, right? When we're talking about money and we're talking about making a major decision, relocation, travel, um, doing something new, putting yourself out there. I mean, when to think about the the list of things that I've accomplished, right? There's always a fear factor, and that fear factor really kind of separates me from I think a lot of people, um, and, and I think my confidence is kind of like the the backup generator, if you will, that says, "Well, why can't you do this?" Right? You know, um, most people might think, "Well, who am I to do that?" Like, well, you know, why can't I do that? There's your opportunity to kind of stand out. That's a great perspective. Um, Go ahead, Coop. I was just going to say this is episode um, one zero eight. Um, no one, no one has said use fear as an ally. Yeah, um, yeah. That's awesome. I, I, I love, I love the uh, the perspective, <clears throat> Rakim, and, and and like you said, it, it's it's really just talking through that fear right like okay what what are the obstacles like how can i overcome them like what do i need to be aware of like just talking through that fear 
Um, and Caleb and I have read, you know, since we started this podcast, we, we read a book a month. And time and time again, you know, if the fear always comes up and, and it's, you know, whether if it's your if it's your mind projecting something that might happen to you in the future because it's happened in your past um, or writing, you know, writing it down, like like how you would deal with the fear when it shows up or what are the obstacles? I mean, there's just so many ways to turn that fear into like fuel your ally or, or different ways to, to use it. Um, so I know I, I really, I really love the, uh, the perspective. Um, so were you, were you on, I guess my first question is how was it being on, I think it was bigger, bigger pockets business, bigger pockets money podcast or money. Yeah. Bigger pockets money. Yep. How how was that? And then, um, I guess were, were you on Oprah? No, so I wasn't on Oprah. I was on Tamron Hall's show, which okay. I guess would be kind of like okay. comparable, right? Tamron Hall is she has like this nationally syndicated okay. show, and I think her show does air on Oprah's network, the O Network. Okay. Um, okay. As far as bigger pockets go, uh, it was great. It was you know the first really big podcast that I had been on and I was invited. Um, it was no pitching of any sort. Like one of the co-hosts saw my viral activity and he was like, Hey, would you like to tell your story in our podcast? And I'm like, hell yeah. Like I know what bigger pockets is. Um, and the funny thing is, yeah, I'll tell the story. So um, back in, I like that you thought about it first. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> uh, back in 2013, I want to say, 2013, 2014, I had read the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It was like gifted to me. And I became obsessed with uh, Robert Kiyosaki and you know his whole brand. And so, of course, I hear about one of the Rich Dad seminars in the area. And I'm like, oh, I got to go. It was free. And then, you know, the free seminar turned into a paid seminar and then the paid seminar turned into like this uh, advanced training. And I'm like paying the whole way through, like getting roped down this uh, this journey of of courses. And as I am obsessing over the Rich Dad programs content, I, of course, caught a whiff of uh, Bigger Pockets content. A lot of their content at the time was free. Um, or very inexpensive in you know comparison to what it is that I had paid. But I was so turned off based off of my experience with the Rich Dad program that I didn't pursue bigger pockets. So I knew that they existed and it was just kinda like, oh, you know, they're they're all doing the same thing. They're they're gonna try to get money out of me. So I just kinda wrote them off. And, you know, you just think about that, like that's almost ten years ago. Um so they've grown massively since then, especially when you talk about like the YouTubing and the podcasting and just their presences across social media. They're very well known. And um, for them to be reaching out to me, I was just like, oh, I have arrived. Like this, <laughs> this is my moment. And um, <clears throat> it was really interesting, too, because the two co-hosts were asking me questions about, you know, my personal finance or my views on personal finance. And of course, I was, you know, very controversial. I think one of the points where they just kind of like looked at me where I had looked like I had two heads was when we talked about this concept of the emergency fund. And I said, well, I don't believe in that. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I don't believe in emergency funds. And then I go into talking about why um, I, I said, you know, by calling it that you are putting your attention on some emergency. You're attracting that mm -hmm. into your life. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I don't call it an emergency fund and um, and I don't keep my cash liquid. So I have been aggressively investing my air quotes, extra money into the market over the last, we'll call it 10 years or so, and have seen significant growth. And they're like, well, <clears throat> what happens if you know an emergency actually does occur? And I said, well, while I've been aggressively investing my money into the market to see growth, and compete with inflation, I have also been aggressively building my credit. 
and not just like my credit score, but my access to credit. So in the event of an emergency, I can leverage my credit to cover it temporarily. And for whatever the time is involved in liquidating a portion of my assets, if necessary, to then pay that off. But if the emergency never happens, then I don't ever have to interrupt my assets from compounding. And they're like, what? Like, <laughs> they're completely like taking it back. I need to go listen to this episode. <laughs> that, I, I bet you that was like, we always laugh, like, oh, we get a new response about fear every week. I bet you that flipped them off their seats. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were just kind of like, okay, like, we just had to agree to disagree at that point. And I, I did, um, you know, I stood my ground, certainly, because I felt like it was important for me too. And, I, and what I noticed at that particular time was bigger pockets money did not have a lot of diversity in their guests, right? And what I'm saying. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Give him a runway again, cool. Uh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, just blame my partner, Caleb. Um, per usual. Uh, so uh, we're going to bring Rakim back in. Um, yeah, Rakim, so you were talking about, you know, being on bigger pockets and then, um, you know, noticing they didn't have um, a lot of diversity in their guests up to that point when you when you came on. Yeah, so I thought it was important to kind of talk about my experience through the lens of my experience, right? And one of the issues that I find in financial education is that it's often delivered through the lens of the white experience um, and that, you know, everybody is perceived to be starting off at the same footing with no major obstacles to what success can look like for them. And so when I tell my story and, and, you know, when I talk about these concepts, I try to be sensitive to the reality that many people face, you know, that I faced and what structural institutional um, obstacles look like for what financial success could mean. And in that, um, not just serving as, you know, a black face and a black voice on their podcast, but some really diverse thought in terms of, you know, why I'm approaching money in this way, right? I had to learn how to build my credit and credit limits in the event of an emergency because I couldn't depend on, you know, the people in my immediate family to come up with the money to, you know, repair a hole in my roof or replace the furnace, right? So I knew somebody who could call, you know, her mom, her uncle, her aunt and say, hey, I need $5,000, I need $10,000, or let me just go into my 401k and cover this. And so navigating what I've been describing as financial trauma and saying, okay, this is the obstacle, how do we navigate through that has been very important to not only my journey, but how I articulate that journey to inspire other people. Um, not to say that these issues don't exist, but to acknowledge that these issues do exist and how do we, or what do we do about them? It's great perspective. Like definitely great perspective. Um, I always feel like a lot of people who get into personal finance, um, they fall like not, not nothing against this person. Right. But they, they get like deep into the Dave Ramsey method or the ultra conservative, like no risk taking. And, uh, I think, I think anyone on the right side of 50, right. On, on the left side of 50, like, why wouldn't you be taking risks? There's nothing wrong with having an emergency fund. Right. Um, but I like your perspective is so unique, but so relatable. Um, and I'm sure that's what made, um, that episode such a great hit. I was, I was just going to add, um, or piggyback off Caleb. No, that's, I, I love how you said that Rakim, um, calling it an emergency fund. You basically are attracting it, attracting an emergency. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The words that follow you, uh, or, or the, or I can't remember the phrase, what's his name says, but the, uh, the words you say follow you, you know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big, um, metaphysics guy um i believe that you know our thoughts and our words create things right they manipulate the world that we live in or the world that we perceive and so um so many people use words carelessly 
And I've learned to think very fast about the words that I want to use. And sometimes it's evident, right, that I'm thinking, like, I'll pause or I'll just say, hmm. Yeah, I mean, you pointed it out earlier. But, um, like, English is a, it's a weird language. Even though it's my first, um, it's not my only. And so in understanding that you can say a word in English, actually, you can say five words in English that seemingly mean the same thing. But how do you differentiate between those words and, and you know, I guess the energy, right, that somebody is throwing at you is what those connotations are, what the connotations associated with those words mean to you. And so uh, very intentional, very deliberate about using words as they are defined and not so much as they are um, usually perceived because um, I have a provocative teaching style. And so people are like, wait, what? Why did you say that? Why did you say that that way? And I'm like, well, let's look at the word. Um, but, But beyond that, again, like how do you create your reality? And, and, and really the reality that the people that listen to you subscribe to. Who taught you about the subconscious mind and how it's always listening? Um, I, I, I don't know if I could answer the same question, but whenever I did learn about it and you hear your friends, your family, your whoever say, oh, I suck at this. Oh, I suck at that. And then those times where you catch yourself saying those same things. You have to take pause, right? So what was your inspiration uh, or, or learning focus moment? Uh, that's a really good question. And um, I don't know that I can give you a specific like moment uh, because I do still fall into it, right? Like colloquialisms. Is, we, all, we all catch it. Yeah, we all know, catch it, ourselves. Right. You know? Like it, if it's common, like, you know, you might say it because it's slang, but then again, you have to be conscious of what it is that you're saying. What is it like you're summoning up? Um, but I will say that I think my first introduction to the power of words and the power of the mind was probably my grandfather, as he was the first introduction to many things for me. And um, he was very intentional about the words that he used and the words that he allowed us to use around him. But beyond that, I grew up uh, very spiritual, um, which also comes from my grandfather. And so that journey um, into spirituality and, and, you know, understanding metaphysics and just kind of being drawn to that has been uh, very influential on just my life choices as a whole. Um, intuition is huge for me, you know, trusting my gut. Um, just you know, discernment is huge for me. Um, the law of attraction is huge for me. Even, you know, how I conceptualize and kind of broke down fear is huge for me. You know, just manipulating, first of all, being aware of, but then second of all, manipulating the energies that um, influence our life on a day-to-day basis that we take for granted um, is something that I've spent a considerable amount of time kind of at the very least trying to make myself aware of, but um, definitely of late leveraging in my messaging. Um, My dad, he says to me often, he goes, this, this is your ministry, right? When I talk about personal finance and I talk about financial trauma, he's like, this is your ministry, right? You know, don't look at your your followers as followers. Like that's corny. Like who's who who has followers? He's like, but you know, there are people who want to hear what you have to say because you're feeding them. And so, um, you know, I have this kind of love hate relationship with the term influencer. But uh, I want to say maybe a month or so ago, I was verified on Twitter. So I have like the blue check now, and. Uh, it's amazing to me the level of engagement that I have now on the most insignificant of things. And I like try out, like I experiment quite a lot on Twitter. Um, like I'll just throw something random out there and just see like, are people going to respond to this? Are people going to retweet this? Are they going to like this? So, you know, and it's just crazy to me. Like I've gone viral. I can't tell you how many times for being provocative, of course, but um, for really forcing people to 
think is, is my perspective on it, like holding up a mirror to how they conceptualize concepts. And people get mad at that. Um, my dad says to me, when you uh, break an illusion for somebody, that's a very dangerous interaction, right? Because they could lose their mind. And, um, you know, I've always been a student of psychology. My dad's a student of psychology. So, you know, just I think that that combination of just understanding human psychology, understanding, you know, the mind and, and you know, metaphysics is what, what we'll call it, um, spirituality, understanding, you know, the energy and current that is um, money and, and other things, right? It's It's a very powerful combination of things to just be aware of, but to, to execute on um, as a sort of kind of public figure, it, it there's a huge responsibility there. I mean, we 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 could go down the rabbit hole. Um, Trying to keep this to an hour, Coop. Yeah, we, we – <laughs> about um, breaking the illusions and, and, you know, we could talk about the Matrix and – just, just all these things that you're talking about, uh, Rakeem, is is awesome. Um, I was going to ask you, one of my last questions is, you know, so you talk, when you quit your job, um, you put that on on Twitter or like social media that, hey, I just fired my boss and all these other things. I don't, I don't know too many people um, that would have done that. Um, I guess I want to know, and I think it's I think it's awesome that you did it. Uh, I guess I just want to know like what your like what the thought process was, and you know when you when you did go um, and put it out on social media, like just what your thought process was. But I, I also am gonna guess like it also had to do with your personal brand. You said you had you have built this personal brand as well while you were working your your day job. So maybe like as you're explaining your thought process on putting on social media that you fired your boss, like, I guess, why is it also key to build your personal brand no matter where you're at in your, in your life? Uh, okay. I'm going to try to remember the order of the questions and answer accordingly. <laughs> um, so, you know, really the short of it is I didn't expect that tweet to go anywhere. I expected maybe the same handful of people that always interacted with me to interact with me there and just that be it. But that's not what happened. You know, a couple of people liked it and retweeted it and they had large followings. And so, of course, um, this was in the height of or I would say maybe the early stages of, you know, what's been referred to as the Great Resignation. So. There was a lot of um, restlessness. I, mean, I was speaking to a lot of people's desired reality. And so I think that's where it resonated because so much of the feedback that I got through the retweets and the comments were either along the lines of, I just did this, or I wish that I can do that. There were a lot of congratulations in the comments, which it's kind of like counterintuitive, right? When you think about quitting your job, you don't think about people congratulating you. And so I felt very supported in that moment, but I didn't expect it to run for as long as it did. I think it was running for like a day and a half or two days. And, you know, like I said, 2.2 million impressions later, I'm like, wow, that's like the most viral I've ever gone. And, um, you know, I had been studying social media. I mean, in my previous role, uh, one of the aspects of my role was um, managing social media. So I'd spend a lot of time learning about the business side of or the business use of social media. And so I think everybody's like, you know, golden egg, if you will, in, in the world of social media as a content creator is that they go viral. Like they're like, I'm hoping that I go viral. And so it's always, I mean, every single time that I've gone viral or some kind of variation of what viral activity looks like, right? A popular tweet or post or what have you. It's the post that I'm not expecting to go anywhere. So um, in yep, yep. kind of building like this small community on Twitter, um, 
I just expected that the small community was going to, you know, huddle around me, embrace me. I didn't expect it to go very far at all. Um, as far as personal branding goes, it's a topic that's near and dear to me um, for a couple of reasons. But I think, you know, the reason that I want to share in this answer is that so much of my identity was influenced by corporate America, like my real life identity, not just like the version of me that shows up at work. Um, you know, again, I, I started working in banking at 21 years old, but before that I had been working since I was 16. And so there's always like these little lessons that you learn about how you're supposed to show up, right? What you're supposed to say and who you're supposed to say it to. And I've always been well-spoken. Um, I've always spoken, you know, relatively proper, but corporate America like really rounded out a lot of the edges in, um, you know, shaping not only the way that I spoke, but the way that I showed up, the way that I dressed, um, you know, where I went, where I felt comfortable going, who I felt comfortable being around. And, um, you know, really reading between the lines of the statement, corporate America made me a lot more non-threatening in white circles and made me a lot more of a kind of like standout in black circles. And that's something that in hindsight, I have a little bit of resentment and um, even shame around because I'm like, damn, for 10 years, I spent time in this space telling people how to be successful, right? How to grow through the ranks. I was like, you know, always somebody's poster child for what employee engagement looked like. Um, always putting myself out there, always just, you know, being the golden child. And I won't say that I was the kiss ass because I didn't kiss ass, but it was just kind of like, there was a very thin line between- It was convenient. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and so when I left, after having established a brand outside of work, and, and really the reasoning behind that was because I just knew that my greatness could not be contained to what they felt was the trajectory or speed at which I could grow, right? Um, I was experiencing some, uh, like I was being held back is the feeling that I had. And so I'm like, well, you know, okay, I'm not chasing your carrot. I'm just going to go and focus on the things that I can control. And so what could I control? Like, I'm going to apply to be a TED speaker. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write another book. And my goal was never really to stay in corporate America until like retirement age. Like I always wanted to get out. I just didn't know what getting out looked like. And of course, being a corporate citizen, um, high performing, always like getting a meets or an exceeds expectation, always getting a bonus, always getting a raise, like no disciplinary action. Like that just encourages you to continue on the path that you're going. So like, you know, there's this goal, but it's a distant goal. And it's like, well, how do I get that while I'm still doing this? And to the point that you had made earlier, um, you know, a lot of people just abandon their goal because they're at work. And I started to see that in some of my peers, particularly Black men peers that I work with. Like there's no sparkle in their eye every single day talking about how they want to quit or what their exit strategy is, but not really doing too much about making that thing happen. Very like miserable. And I'm like, man, like I'm approaching 30. Um, and at particular point in time that I did leave, um, I was, I had just turned 31, but I'm like, this is, it's now or never, right? Like I'm not married. I don't have a kid. Like it, I have all of the reason to take the risk. If it doesn't work out, I could always go back, but how much more difficult would this decision be if I hadn't, you know, mouths to feed people, to, you know, people that I was supporting people that were depending on me. And so, um, my personal brand grew in the corporate space as it was introduced to me. Like you have to be, you know, on your P's and Q's, right. To existing simultaneously with the corporate space that says, Oh, okay. These are my skill sets that I can pour into, you know, this external identity, right. I can leverage my 10 years in banking as a point of credibility to speak to these topics, particularly as they relate to finance to um, existing completely outside of corporate where it's like 
now you know what you see is what you get so my my brand identity if you will is me right like all of my social media is my name my website is my name my email is my name and so if you want me like my name take my name into google like everything is is rakim sabri and um uh, the fear that I think some people have and, and certainly has crossed my mind a few times is, you know, I navigate entrepreneurship and like, oh, I didn't get paid this month. How am I going to pay my mortgage? Oh, maybe I have to apply for a job is when they do go type my name into Google and they see I fired my boss. I fired my boss. I fired my boss. This one, I fired my boss. Then how do I explain that? Right. And then do I have to backpedal and kiss ass to get the job? Or do they respect me for making a decision as a man and say, you know what? This is the skill set that you have, right? This is the value of you having a personal brand. You write for entrepreneur and business insider and entrepreneur and you know, the Grio and all these other places. You've done this, you've done that, you've done this. This is a talent that we want to have on our team. And so, yes, please show up unapologetically you. And um, I don't mean for this to be a very long-winded answer, but I just want to kind of finish this last point. I, um, in January of 22, this year, I was like at the end, completely exhausted, right? Tapped out on credit, tapped out on um, the money that I had saved. I had sold off all my crypto. Now the last of the assets that I had were in the stock market. And I really didn't want to touch that. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, man, what am I going to do? Like, there's no money coming in. And then boom, February, all this opportunity shows up. And one opportunity in particular, uh, individual um, who worked at a global, who works at a global organization, found me on Instagram, sent me a DM with like, we would love for you to talk to our team. What are your rates? And... Uh, it was for Black History Month. The topic was being authentically me and decoding code switching. And I had uh, an hour, actually it spanned an hour and a half session with their team, um, all hands meeting, talking about my story and what it means to be authentic while wearing durag on Zoom. And uh, powerful moment powerful moment for me because, you know, I came in and I had to explain to them, like, this is intentional. I'm wearing this as a prop so that we can talk about the elephant in the room as we discuss concepts like race, right? And perception and professionalism, how we redefine that. And uh, the, the like highlighting moment of that session was when um, this, uh, one of their employees, this black lady gets on camera gets on stage with me on camera in front of the whole company wearing a bonnet. And she's talking about how she is not code switching anymore. She is not um, being less than herself to make white people feel comfortable. She's being her. And I'm like, yes, like great. And, uh, and I got paid for that. Like I got, <laughs> I got paid a four figure check to show up in my do rag on in front of a whole company like the founder was there everything and they made me a beautiful video testimonial with several of their employees kind of speaking to the impact of that conversation and so you know just unpacking that moment right i was you know as i've been describing it rejecting scarcity in the face of an empty bank account like wondering how this thing is going to happen and then it falls into my lap and I have this opportunity to choose to code switch my way into this professional environment with, you know, a button up and a tie and, you know, my white voice and, you know, or show up with my chain showing, my do-rag on and talking me as me and getting paid for it. And it was a phenomenal experience. And I think, um, you know, that's me wrapping this up with a bow and talking about the power of your personal brand. You get to go anywhere and be you. Mm. That was awesome. There's a, there's a lot to break down in there. <laughs> no, it, it, it is. And I, and I just want to say this, uh, this episode is brought to you by the matrix. You, <laughs> you, you, you can get out too. 
Just follow yeah. Rakeem Sabri. <laughs> for sure. For no, sure. That, That's one of your new role models, honestly. Yeah, for sure. No, this this was a great episode. Um Rakeem, uh really appreciate you coming on and um just sharing your story, man. That's that was awesome. Um can you can you uh tell our audience like if they want to see more about you, what you're doing, um, you know, where where they can go. Yeah, I think I did that, right? <laughs> Everything is at my name. So, uh, <laughs> right? Twitter, Facebook, yeah. Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, TikTok, YouTube, everywhere that's anywhere. Google, uh, you just type my name into Google. Uh, my website is rockhimsabri.com. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm posting content regularly, I'm sharing this message of empowerment. Uh, usually around financial content, but sometimes I deviate. But um, really, my message is designed to help people, you know, start, like you said, getting out of the matrix. <laughs> awesome. 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 Uh, well, Rakeem, thank you very much, man. I really appreciate your time, and uh, we'll be talking soon. Sounds good. Appreciate it, Rakeem. To record. <laughs> Dude, my wife is on my ass right now. Another great episode. Oh, episode cool. Coop. 108. Oh, I'm leaving all that in, bro. I know you are. I'm you leaving all that. <laughs> you can blame. You can blame Shoshana, man. Oh, man. Uh, before we talk about your little hiccup there, uh, which one? Rakim. Rakim. He said like the rapper. Do you know the rapper, Coop? Nope, I don't. Sorry. Surprise. Surprise. Are you really, though? No, I'm I'm letting, I'm letting. trying to help people get to know you better. Oh, I'm... Bro, I, you know me. I stay under a rock, man. The gym and then the rock. Go under, under the rock. It's all good. What do you think about the episode, man? Um, every episode is unique, but this is another very unique one for right? sure. Yep. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, just another great perspective. Uh, dude, like he, I mean, like I said, I wasn't trying to go down any rabbit holes, but like just his story, like his explanation on certain things, like, you know, just trying, trying to get free, trying to understand the system. Um, I mean, you could liken that to the Matrix. I feel like the like the Matrix is probably the Matrix and Rich Dad Poor Dad, probably like a couple of the main movies. What you need to do is read Rich Dad Poor Dad first, and then watch the Matrix. Yeah, again, for you know? like and like really see what that that is about. Um, but no, this was this was a great episode. I mean, just his explanation about fear, using fear as an ally. Um, <sighs> Lots of uniqueness for sure. Ne- never, heard, never heard that one before. Um, you know the the power of of you know creating your own personal brand, right? Um, you know things that you can do now while you're at your job or or you know what you're whatever you're trying to build. Like, I mean, yeah, this this was a great episode, man. Definitely go back and listen to this one. I'm sure we'll be definitely be having him um back on. So yeah, no, I think we should schedule it now. Yeah, for sure, bro. Anyways, back, back like right now, Coop. Get the calendar out. <sighs> I mean, if you really want to get the calendar, like, dude, you. I, all right, bro. This is this is why we're such a great partnership because you love to throw all the curveballs. It's all good. Super you great. Said, you yeah. said you said you said quarterly, right? Um. So I was thinking July. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a good call. June. You so, yeah. April, May. June. I think uh, so. July will be quarter three. Start at quarter well, three. Well, hold on a second now. So, so should we go July eleventh? No, because we got yeah, yeah. I was gonna say there's a there's a little holiday in there. I, the fourth, bro. The yep. fourth. I, I saw yep. the four, and I was like, ah, probably not. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, not gonna. Yeah, but I know. I I think. Let's hit him up and see if we can lock him in on the 11th. The ele- the, the, a couple of questions we never got into in the slightest were motivation and uh, um, personal development. 
Okay, so so July 11th, like we literally are scheduling my man's on the air, and he's not even here to confirm. No, he's not here right now. Um, it's all. I mean, it's all good, bro. It's exactly why this this podcast is great because ninety percent of the podcast is not scripted, like right now. Okay, so let me uh let me just come down here. Uh, July 11th, 7-11. Uh, Ooh, what a date! Look, <laughs> oh my God. Big gulps, huh? Okay. See you later. Rakim. Uh, Rakim. Cool. Rakim. Rakim. Yep. Yep. Rakim. Sorry. I'm going to send you some links to some tracks. Good music. Um, Personal. You said personal development and motivation. Personal self-development motivation. We didn't even touch on any of that. We didn't have time. I was literally in the third row at church. Just listening to the sermon, you know? Hang on. I just messaged him on Twitter. Got it. All right, cool. Um, what, So what happened? Your your AirPods fell out? Do we, do we even want to talk about this? It's in the past. Okay, bro. It's in the past. Just know if that hiccup there at, at um, let's just say, like 35, 36 minutes. The past is the past, Coop. Blame your boy, Caleb. The past is the past. It's all good. We we came back on air, and I was like, Caleb, what happened? First, I called him when we went off. Didn't hear no answer. I was like, yep. Definitely something on that end of the fence there. Came back in. I was like, Caleb, you can hear me? Hey. He's uh, like, <laughs> the past is the past. Okay, got it. That's Caleb Way trying to wrap this up. All right. Uh. Great episode one zero eight. Uh, we're definitely gonna get Rakim, 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 Coop. We're gonna get Rakim. Rakim. Everybody go listen to the intro when I call Rakim. out Coop and he denies it. Like, Rakim, I'll I'll get it. Chill, Jeez. There's certain people that are on. I need to call Rakim. Lindsay. Rakim, Rakim. Yeah, yeah. Details, Coop. I'm, um, I'm calling Lindsay right now. Anyways, yeah. You two go talk. Like you guys are best friends. Anyways, um. Anyways. Please rate, subscribe, leave a review. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Try Mahana Fresh. Don't forget. Great episode, Cup. Bye, Caleb.